Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, and each and every week, myself and co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, cast our eyes over everything happening inside the world of professional wrestling in a show by wrestling fans for wrestling fans. Coming up today, well, it's all about the fallout from WrestleMania as WWE rocks AT&T Stadium for two nights in Texas. Stone Cold's back, Cody's arrived, Bianca and Becky over-deliver, the celebs exceed expectations, and we get the worst stunner sell ever. We get into all of it. Plus, talk taker in the Hall of Fame, Supercard of Honor, Samoa Joe's arrival in ROH and AEW, and everything else you'd expect, and so much more, right now, on Earning the Push. I really enjoyed WrestleMania. Like, I had so much fun watching WrestleMania this year. I said on Twitter, I think it's the best one I've had watching Mania since Mania 28, which is my favourite. I have nostalgia. That was the first one I stayed up all night to watch. I watched with some good mates. Obviously, there was my favourite match ever in the end of an era there. And this one probably didn't match up to that for some of the in-ring stuff or the gravitas, but I just really enjoyed it. I don't know if it's been back at a full crowd mania again for the first time since the pandemic or what it was but I, I, I had so much fun watching it there wasn't really anything I didn't do like I think because it's only because it's over two nights as well the quote-unquote filler matches the the Corbin versus Drew McIntyre's of this world that I may wouldn't have enjoyed as much on a long show because on a shorter show I got swept away in the giddiness of mania and enjoyed them more than I would normally I didn't like it as much as you did and I think that's a personal taste I think for me there was lots in it I did enjoy, which we'll get onto in a bit. But for me, it just wasn't to my preference. But but you know what you're getting if you get a WWE event. They put the emphasis on E for WrestleMania. And what you are going to get is every bell, every whistle, every shiny graphic, every firework in the state of Texas. You're going to get it all. And if that is your type of thing, they absolutely over-delivered. Now, for me... It's not all to my taste, but I don't think you can look at the two nights together and say it was anything other than a, a real triumph for WWE. And let's start with the main event of night one of WrestleMania. Stone Cold Steve Austin appears on the Kevin Owens show and wrestles his first match since WrestleMania 19. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I loved everything about it. Stone Cold had no right to be that good after 19 years out. Yes, he wasn't the Stone Cold of old, but he was never going to be. Anyone who was expecting him to put on a classic was kidding themselves. Um, <clears throat> making it a no-holds-barred match obviously protects him massively, like the limitations. It helps because that's brilliant. Kevin Owens is a godsend. He's an absolute godsend. He sold his arse off for Stone Cold. And what a moment that is for KO to be trusted with that, that, that's bigger than any title match. Being trusted as the man to bring Stone Cold back into the company to wrestle his first match in almost 20 years, that's huge. Uh, and it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And I, we didn't really know what we wanted, we were going to get with Stone Cold. Would you prefer they build it as a match before? Or did you like the shock moment of, oh, we're having a match? I liked exactly the way they did it. Exactly the way they did it. Because if they'd have said ahead of time, look, it's going to be a match you'd have had the whole discourse of, look, is he going to be in his trunks? Is he going to be, what shape is he going to be in? What's he going to do? How long's a good match? So they set expectations low with that tease. And he, and he over-delivered. And he really over-delivered. Um, I don't have any desire to see anything else like that from Stone Cold again. It wasn't someone who got in the ring and I thought, he's got another two or three years left in the tank there. Clearly, that was because it was Dallas, because it was WrestleMania. And just think, you mentioned Kevin Owens. Think how many places that could have gone wrong as a spectacle for Austin. The trust he had to have in KO to take the stunner right, to suplex him correctly, to hit all the spots. I mean, it was a high-risk strategy, paid off magnificently. Like I said, I think it's the ultimate show of respect and trust from WWE and Stone Cold in... KO, um, and I, I don't think it belongs to we see KO back in the main event scene, back in the title picture scene, which I think is where he belongs, really. I just hope that ticks the box for Austin of going out on his terms because he knows that's his last match. Hopefully that's him done. And like you say, I, I don't have a desire to see him again. I'm over the moon I got to see him one more time because I don't think any of us thought we were going to get it. And I, you better believe I popped hard when we came out night two with Vince. You better believe. And oh, I can't even wait. The worst on a cell 
Well, that, we didn't even sell it. He fell over. He just slipped, didn't he? But that throwback, I, I hope that's the last time we see Stone Cold and Vince. I don't, I don't need more Stone Cold just for the Stone Cold pop now. He's had his last moment. I'm really happy for him. And, I, and that's the perfect way to finish in ring. Yeah, I completely agree. I have to be honest, and this is where for me... I did. I didn't. I didn't enjoy that Austin Vince stare down. For for me, night two wasn't as enjoyable as night one, and I just felt that that was where it just got a little bit too much into the nostalgia. But I'm sure we'll come on to that in a bit because my God, there's so much to talk about here. So Austin main events, right call to put him in that slot. Anywhere else you could have put him? Nah, nothing. That, only only the place you could put this first, but nothing's going to follow it. Anything that follows that is going to be ruined. It's going to be tarnished by it, isn't it? So yeah, it has to, I think it has. Stone Cold coming back has to be your main event. Stone Cold returns in Dallas. Cody Rhodes, surprise, surprise, returns to WWE. And not just any version of Cody Rhodes. This is the Cody Rhodes that was picked up cold off Dynamite and dropped into AT&T Stadium. WWE, again, credit to them. No tinkering, no fussing. You want the American Nightmare, that's exactly who you're going to get. Absolutely, and no teasing of it being anyone else. The lights went out. I loved it. Just the voice. Wrestling has more than one royal family. Up he comes from from, from below. Straight out American Nightmare. Brilliant match with Seth, followed up by a brilliant promo on Raw. And what I love is they're not messed about. He's here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to win the WWE title. And He's an ultimate babyface. He's ultimate babyface because of why he's doing it. So he might be the American nightmare. He might be brash. He might be arrogant. But he's doing this. He's coming back to right the wrongs. Everyone knows the history. Everyone knows how it didn't work for the first time. And he's doing it for Dusty. And everyone loves Dusty. So they've got, out of nowhere, they've got the hottest babyface in wrestling, I think, now. And, oh, there is a story to be told here. And there is three to six months of brilliant programming and matches if they want to tell it. I just hope they do. But... I feel like they will get right because I feel like, can you imagine Cody Rhodes after what he's an AW writer trying to tell him what to do and what to say? I feel like he's going to be doing his own thing now. And I trust Cody because he gets it right most of the time. Yeah, I, I'm going to take issue with something you said there purely because I don't, I don't necessarily think it's true, which is that everyone knows Cody's story. Now, I think there's a, a, a decent chunk, not the majority of WWE's audience, but a decent chunk who doesn't watch AEW who actually don't know Cody's story. And I sort of felt that a little bit about the promo on Monday Night Raw. I, I think there were times where I was listening to it and it felt a little bit like he was maybe expecting a bigger reaction than he got from some of those fans. No, it's nothing you can't fix, but I think they need to fill in some gaps. They need to... to make explicit what is implicit to wrestling fans who've watched him go through AEW because he's he's back in an organization, a federation. He's not been in since, what, 32? WrestleMania 32 sort of time? So we're yeah. doing six years? That's going to be a tough thing for them to do without publicizing AEW, which they're hell-bent on not doing. So obviously if they feel they have to do that, how they choose to do it because he's not going to be like, Vince ain't going to let him be like, oh, lads, just pop over to uh, TNT and watch this other show that's completely different, but also a competition to us, and you might prefer to see what I've been doing. So I'd be really interested to see how they try and do that, because like you say, if if any crowd was going to get him, it was going to be the Raw After Mania crowd. So if that crowd doesn't completely get it, then your, your more mainstream crowds aren't. So it'd be interesting what he does. Side note, Raw After Mania was one of the least Raw After Mania, Raw After Manias I've ever seen. Nothing really happened, but that's a different story. We'll get to that later, I'm sure. I think Ezekiel would like a word uh, with you about sure. that. I'm we, via. I'm via. <laughs> we, we will get to all of that. Um, look, let, Because, yes, I think WWE needs to fill in some gaps with Cody. Let's give Cody Rhodes his flowers. He left there and bet on himself, and he bet on his vision for who he wanted to be. And he wanted to be the American Nightmare. He wanted that music. He wanted that ring attire. He wanted to be that guy. And his product is so successful that WWE have gone and plucked that wholesale and dropped it into their biggest show of the year. And at a time when we're talking about Pete Dunne becoming Butch and Walter becoming Gunter, because WWE wants their mark on it, the fact they looked at Cody Rhodes and said, we cannot do that better, back you come at WrestleMania, is a huge mark of respect for him. How long before we see him with the WWE title? Well, this is another question that relates to, and let's get on to this now, Brock Lesnar being beaten by Roman Reigns, Roman unifying the two belts. If it's not Brock, then who? 
Are they going to? Has to be Cody. Has to be. Well, the whole story is there now for me. Oh. I think I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I want to take the reins on this because I've been advocate for Brock and Rowan for a long time. I first things first. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I think it's probably the worst one-on-one match they've had. I think it was their weakest match. Now that's not saying it's a bad match because Brock and Roman deliver. You could put them in a ring together anywhere in the world at any time. They'll put on a good match. It was their worst match. This whole story has been hurt by what happened at day one. I, I truly believe that. We saw this on the podcast before. I think the match they should have had would have been at day one and the story got ruined because, not ruined, got changed because of that. There was not enough focus on Paul Heyman for me, which is hilarious that I'm saying I want focus not on the wrestlers, but he was the he was the, the glue that held this whole story together, the Heyman of it all. So that aside, the right man won. That graphic at the end of him just standing with both belts and the Usos behind him, he is, he is in God mode. He's the best thing WWE have to offer right now and have for a long time. But Cody has to go and take the WWE title off him. Has to, for me, at SummerSlam. This is interesting because I think that you have Roman beat Brock for one reason and one reason only, which is that in a year's time at WrestleMania, we're getting Roman Reigns against The Rock. I think that's where we're going. And I and think we, the title... We can have sta- for the uni- universal title, I think. I think that, well, I think, okay, yes, I think there are ways you can get one belt off Roman Reigns if you want to. And maybe it's at the Rock interferes at SummerSlam to cost him one. It's a bit convoluted. And this is sort of my issue with, and we've spoken about it before, Roman is in God mode. Roman exists in a universe no one else can touch. And I don't even think Cody can touch it yet. I think the Rock is the guy. And so do you keep the title on Roman all the way through to WrestleMania, is The Rock the one to dethrone him? And if not, does Cody really, for you, occupy that same hallowed ground as Roman does? Um, it's a very good question. Does it, Not right now, but you can build that. Also, I don't think... This is close. I think the whole God mode, the whole Roman is on a different level, it's all around the Universal title for me. That's been his baby. That's been... The WWE title now is just kind of there, which is a hideous thing to say about the most prestigious title in all of wrestling. The most hideous thing to say. I know that. People are going to hate me for saying it. I'd want to get that title off them as soon as I could. Honestly, split them again. Because what are you going to do? Otherwise, what are you going to do? Now, Roman said to us on Raw, you're going to see my next move on SmackDown. We'll get everyone watching SmackDown. I like it. But honestly... I would get that WWE title off and do it by any way of shenanigans. I don't care how it happens. And yeah, if you want Cody to be babyface, which he probably needs, he can't cheat. Have someone come and cost him. Have Brock come back in at SummerSlam and cost him WWE title and do one more match with them or something like that. But I would get, I honestly would strike while the iron's hot and I would get that WWE title on Cody Rhodes as soon as I could. You need something. You need something to, to frankly create a title picture. Because th- there is no title picture on Raw, unless Roman's doing double duty. But I think they've booked themselves into a corner, because however you get it off Roman, he's going to lose a little bit of the mystique. Because the first person who beats Roman since, what are they saying, almost two years undefeated, give or take? 2019, they're saying, aren't they? Right. So the, t- something like that? Something like that, because at least since the pandemic, obviously, you know, kicked yeah. off and he went away and came back heel. The first person to beat him can't just beat a bit of him for a bit of his titles, can he? I mean, it, it's it'll be fascinating. Obviously, the money in the bank is going to be floating around at some point in the year. If you're cashing in for one of the titles and not yeah. both, there are options. I genuinely thought, though, for a second, I thought he was going to tap to the Kamori, you know? Mm, yeah. I thought that was what they were going to do. I, was, I literally, um, my other half, I, I didn't stay up for Sunday. So my other half was sat there. She works from home um, half the week. So she was sat there doing some work. And I'm there at half nine in the morning screaming, he's going to tap. They're going to make him tap. He's going to tap. And she's just looking at me. She's like, Charlie, I do have to try and do some work. And now you've woken the dog up. Well done. <laughs> and I literally, I couldn't have cared less. I was like, he's going to tap though. And she just looked at me and she went, this is amazing. She was like, no, he's not. He's in God mode. And I was like, oh, I love you so much. Oh. I was like, she looked at me. She's like, he's in God mode. He's not going to tap. I was like, this is brilliant. She's She's got it. I mean, and it's yeah. cutting through, isn't it? It's cutting through. Yeah. So look, we saw two titles merged into one on night two's main event. We should really talk about the women's title matches. The Raw Women's Championship, Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. Bianca dethrones Becky. 
if Seth versus Cody is is most people's choice for, for match of night one, I would say that for me, just by a hair, Bianca and Becky tore it down. It was amazing. Yeah, for purely in-ring, that was quite comfy match of the night for me. And Bianca Belair is getting herself a little bit of reputation for stealing the show at Mania. Mm. That's two years in a row now. She was, well, they both were, brilliant. The match was excellent. Um, I need to actually go back and watch it back because I was just flagging a little bit tired Yeah, at that point. Uh, not that that was the match's fault at all. I'd been down, played a game, had five hours back on a bus, and then it was two in the morning. So that's why I was tired. But it was brilliant. And... Bianca is an absolute superstar. Becky is Becky. She's outstanding. And it was comfortably the better of the two women's title matches, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And does anyone, anyone carry themselves more like a superstar, men or women's side of things, than Becky Lynch? I mean, when she, from the entrance where they sort of spoof the then, now, forever thing at the start, to her coming out in that white car... Did a mar- um, they did a Marvel entrance as well. They did a Marvel entrance for her. That's right. that's the that's the you probably that's the opening credits to every Marvel film. Ah, the right. Biggest, the biggest franchise in the world. They used that for her. Op- oh, that I popped hard for that. It was it was a Marvel op- entrance. I loved that. That see, was a really cool little touch. See that passed me, but I thought it was a WWE one. Marvel even better. How good did she look? I mean, she tweaked her look. I don't know what she did with her hair, straight and shorter after. Talking to the wrong man about hair. Well, and I don't know why. It's not my expert, <laughs> but she just... Why would I boo that woman? I mean, yeah. that's the issue you sort of got, and we had it with Edge and AJ. Why Why would I boo Becky Lynch, who comes yeah. out looking like that? I mean, she is a superstar. I think the, the whole Becky match was brilliant. I think she has that now. She's transcending wrestling a little bit. People know who Becky Lynch is outside of wrestling, which is huge for her, huge, huge for the company. It's just, yeah, that that was probably the in-ring match tonight on um, the first night. Um, Stone Cold and Cody Rhodes, probably bigger moments that'll be remembered more. But Bianca Becky, it was an absolute show stealer. What do you think they do with Ronda now she's lost to Charlotte? Well, I haven't got a clue because I, I thought she would beat Charlotte. And not only did Charlotte win, she won with a big boot. Yeah, I, I can't get behind behind the big boot being a finisher. Like Charlotte Flair's brilliant. She's brilliant in ring and she's strong and she's powerful. But why does her big boot put people down when the Undertaker's never got close to doing it? Oh no, do, do don't, you know I mean? don't, don't pull at that thread because you know, why does JBL's clothesline put people yeah, down? Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, no, I I know, I know, but it's on this one because that big boot, a lot of people use the big boot and it's never anyone's finisher, and I can't I can't get behind that being how she finishes matches. I really can't. You, you've got to put equity in a move, and that has always been a two-count, two-and-a-half-count move. That has always been a transition into something else. So I was really surprised that it went that way. I, I think that match, both women worked exceptionally hard. They really did. I think they over-delivered. It suffered from miscasting. It yeah. wasn't the right match with the right people playing the right roles. And and we saw Bianca and Becky get past that, where Becky was enough of a heel to make the dynamic work. Ronda, who is still fairly young in the industry, was not enough of a face to make that what it needed to be. And they were always swimming upstream when they were casting, Ronda, you're the face, Charlotte, you're the baby, off you go. Yeah, it, it was far from a bad match, but it was uh, it wasn't what it could have been. And still, as great as Bianca and Becky was, how was it not Becky, Ron? I'm going to say it one last time. They have to give us that at some point. Do you know what though? Having seen it, I'm I'm glad we got Bianca and Becky. I'm glad we got that style of wrestling match. I'm glad we had because this is what I think made me prefer night one to night two. We had a bit more meat on the bone wrestling wise. We got some really good matches. I tell you what, I want to talk about as well. Speaking of over delivering for celebrities. Logan Paul and The Miz against the Mysterios had no right to be as good as it was. Now, I have to, hands up, I know of Logan Paul. I don't know much more apart from the fact he's a big social media star. The guy can work. I think he's built for wrestling. Mm. I think he's built to be a world-class heel. He came to the ring with a $5 million Pokemon card around his neck, for Christ's sake. Like... That is, he's just, yeah, he was outstanding. I actually thought, stay quietly, across the board, the celebrities were very good at WrestleMania this year. They were very good at Mania. Logan Paul absolutely over-delivered. That match had no right to be as good as it was, as you said. 
the Johnny Knoxville match was what it was. There will be people out there who massively enjoyed it. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it, but it was what it was. And then Pat McAfee is an absolute star. He's just he's just a star as well. So this year is probably the best use I've seen of non-wrestling wrestlers at WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I, I think Logan Paul loves heat. He loves it. He's a, he's a bit, and, and I'm not making a like-for-like like comparison. I'm not getting anywhere near that. But MJF loves heat. Logan Paul, you could see the smile on his face when he went for the three amigos and then thought, oh. I'm doing the frog splash. And you think, I'm loving that you're loving this. You've come in. It's I'm sure he gets paid handsomely for it, but it's not just for the payday. You, you gave me a great WrestleMania match. It was, I mean, that little blockbuster off the top rope was great. The suplexes were great. I mean, that athleticism for the drop down split. You can't complain about what he gave us the cojones on him to troll Eddie Guerrero in a match at WrestleMania against the Mysterios in his first wrestling match. Like you say, loves he because that would have really upset some wrestling fans. That would have not be not like I always doing it. That would have really angered some wrestling fans. And even I was sat up going like, Ooh, that's brave because that's Eddie and it's against the Mysterios and it's at mania and you haven't earned the right to do that. So like, if Sasha Banks does that, everyone's like, yeah, Sasha's done it. She loves Eddie. This is someone who's not a wrestler against Mysterios. I was like, ooh, yeah, that is brave. Yeah, he's in there with Eddie's son. I mean... Yes, <laughs> yes, he is. Also, with the size of Dominic, I know Eddie wasn't big, but he was bigger than Ray. Are we sure he isn't Eddie's son? <laughs> Dominic's getting to be quite a big old boy. now. He's look, tall. He is. He's taller than me. I can say that. I don't know why that's my measuring stick that's, for wrestlers. That's the thing. If you're taller than Jack Merley, you're a tall man. If you're taller than five foot nine, you're a big old beast. Now, look, you mentioned Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville. If you went in expecting a comedy <sighs> match and you set your expectations to that level... That was a lot of fun. It was stupid, but it was yeah. really, really... You saw, you found yourself watching this going, I can't believe I'm enjoying this, but I am. Yeah, I, I was like being like, I do a wrestling podcast. I should be talking about suplexes, Canadian destroyers. I should be talking about whether the, uh, whether the lockup at the start was good enough. And I was like, no, you use that mousetrap. Get it on him. I was like, yeah, get the jackass cast in. It, wrestling... Wrestling should be fun. You should enjoy watching it. And whatever people enjoy, you should not be judged for it. It won't care for everyone. And if you'd asked me before, will you enjoy this match trying to describe it to me, I'd say, no, that is not for me. Give me Adam Cole versus Hangman Adam Page instead. But I really enjoyed it. And I think sometimes we can get, we, as in the royal we of wrestling fans, not you and I particularly, we can get a bit touchy and a bit up ourselves about what we should and shouldn't enjoy. If you enjoy it, enjoy it. And it was good fun. And Sami Zayn is a godsend. Sami Zayn is just brilliant. And I still, I, I said this years ago, I still think one day we see KO versus Sami in the main event of WrestleMania because I think they're both brilliant and they're, those two together are brilliant. And they both did brilliant work at WrestleMania again this year. They really did. They really did. Um, look, a couple of other things just to wrap up when it comes to WrestleMania. Uh, we need to talk a little bit about Austin Theory, Pat McAfee. One match too many for me. I think if I'm getting Logan Paul and The Miz against the Mysterios, and that's my little bit of non-wrestler involvement, and then I'm also getting Johnny Knoxville against uh, Sami Zayn, as great as Pat McAfee is, and he is one of the most entertaining things on the mic in the ring, that just for me was a match I was like, I just, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I hoped. And no lack of work rate, it just wasn't meaty enough in the build-up for me. Yeah, I'm not sure we needed it. Like you say, I think it all seemed a bit rushed. Um, Pat was brilliant. Austin Theory is a good wrestler. I just, there was not, yeah, it was, that's the one match on night two I definitely could have done without. I think you're right. Um, which is a shame because I really enjoyed Pat McAfee, but there was just no reason for it. But Pat with Austin at the end was a lot of fun. That yeah. that shot where he's on the floor and the beer, he's still drinking the beer on the floor, that was, that was gold. It, it, look, sometimes in life you just say, uh, uh, by all accounts, good guy has got a moment he's dreamt of his whole life. It, we, we had enough other stuff on there. Look, here's something. We're, we're about 25 minutes into chatting. We haven't mentioned Edge against AJ Styles, which I think probably tells us all we need to know about that. It was good, of course it was. It's Edge versus AJ Styles, but it wasn't... It probably had a lot of hype going in and it probably under-delivered a little bit. I like the thought of cult sort of leader Edge going forward. 
Damien Priest, let's add some people to that faction. That's a cool new edge we could see. It, yeah, it was it was there, wasn't it? Which is a really sad thing to say about those two who are brilliant. I think it just got lost in the shuffle a little bit. And that happens at Mania sometimes. There's so much going on. Some things that you think will be brilliant do get lost in the shuffle. And in years to come, are we going to be talking about Edge versus AJ Styles? I don't think we are. No. And I, again, for me, it's miscasting. I had a really interesting discussion um, with the folks over at Busted Open saying you cannot cast Edge as a heel. You just... You can't do it because not only do we love Edge, not only do we know Edge's story, WWE have made a load of hay at Edge's story. We've seen him, we've seen Beth, we've seen the trials, the tribulations. They gave us this huge moment when he came back and then the fans went away and you finally got fans on a regular basis there who can cheer Edge and you're not letting them. And and maybe it was Edge who wanted to freshen things up. Maybe from a business point of view, they want him to work with some younger talent. However, for me, oh, it was a missed opportunity. Face versus face, two of the greatest ever. Let's see who comes out on top. It didn't need to be more complicated than that. No, I agree. It was, it was a shame we didn't get the chance to just cheer for Edge at Mania again. If you love wrestling as much as we do, there are three simple things you can do right now to keep our podcast growing. Firstly, rate and review us wherever you're listening today to keep us moving up the charts. Secondly, subscribe so you never miss an episode. And thirdly, get involved. Join in with the fantasy booking and tell other people about what we do here by sharing some love on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, however you're social, give us a mention and help earning the push grow. And now, back to the show. We're still breaking down the WrestleMania weekend, and it was a whole weekend of action, but we need to go back to Friday night. Now, I get up early for my day job, very early, so by the time I'd got into work on uh, Friday night, early hours of Saturday morning, The Undertaker had gone into the Hall of Fame, and Charlie's wearing his Undertaker Dead Man Demon of Death Valley shirt, one of the greatest moments in the history of the Hall of Fame, that eight-minute standing ovation, and he earned every one of it. Yeah, you can't... You, it's not often you can be. You can say someone didn't milk it when they take eight minutes <clears throat> to take to get clapped. And he looked so embarrassed, didn't he? So embarrassed by it. But he deserved every second. Also, you can't often say that a, a man or a woman, anyone, speaks for 50 minutes and they don't overdo it. But he didn't, did he, really? It was... It was perfect. It was brilliant. It was just a rundown of his career and all the people he had to thank. And yeah, and have you seen the clips of how happy Randy Orton seems to be when he's getting his ovation ovation? Orton's just buzzing for him. It, it was great. It was great. And I kind of like they kind of made it a one-man ceremony. No one else really got that long on the mic because The Undertaker was there. And of course, that was going to be more. Of course, he was going to speak more because he's The Undertaker. Well, can you imagine backstage where, where you go, uh, right, okay, where am I in the running order? What what odds do I get to run over a little bit? Oh, Vince is inducting The Undertaker, the two men you do not cross in WWE. You, you Even if you're Scott Steiner, you are going to hit your marks and hit your timings. Oh, I hope he was joking at the end when he put on the hat and said, never say never. I, I'm so sure I. he was, but, but Undertaker, please, don't. The- the hideous thing is, though, you know, you know that if the proverbial hit the fan and Vince needed a pop and a ratings boost, you know if he rang The Undertaker, he'd do it. From all we've seen now, you know he would. So Vince has to be a better human being and not do that at any point. You haven't got that ace up your sleeve. Let the man have his retirement. Um, sorry, just going back to something we didn't, we didn't talk about, thinking of let them have their moments. The opening of night two with Triple H mm. was just... I didn't know I needed that. I didn't know I wasn't expecting that. It got me a little bit emotional. Leaving his boots to the ring was was perfect and gave him the moment he deserved for everyone to say goodbye to the rest of the place. I thought thought that was really, really classy and perfect, to be honest. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a lovely moment and clearly an emotional one for him because, you know, before this all happened, you had to believe that Triple H would have had one, maybe two more WrestleMania moments and life comes at you fast and quickly and you don't know what's going to hit you. And his plans, whatever they would have been, up in smoke. So for him to get that moment, which he earned, was fantastic. We send our best to Rick Boogs as well, because you're there, you're, you're starting off night one with Nakamura, you do all your stuff, and five or six minutes in, out goes your knee. It is a nightmare situation for a guy who, whether his act is my cup of tea or not, he is all in on it, and he's got himself over, and you never like to see someone have that moment taken away. 
yeah, as soon as he went down, the way he went down, I was like, I think that's real. The way his knee went, I was like, I think that's real. And that looks hideous for it to go under pressure. That's not, not good. So, yeah, you we send all the best wishes to him and just the worst possible timing for him. As we continue just to wrap up WrestleMania, the triple threat delivered on night two, I thought. I mean, uh, uh, RK bro, in another universe, these boys have split up by SummerSlam, which is what most people are predicting. Or they've split up by Survivor Series, or they've split up by the Royal Rumble, or they've split up by WrestleMania. And at every turn, WWE have gone, no, have a bit more of this. And we've all gone, we quite like this, give us more. And they were great. Yeah, I've said for months I thought we were getting Randy Orton versus Riddle at WrestleMania, and thank God I was wrong. They're brilliant. And Orton is having the time of his life, it seems. And I've said it more times, motivated Orton is one of the best to ever do this. Happy and motivated and wants to be there. Randy Orton is one of the all-time greats. And you're seeing that. You're seeing that at the moment. It was it was a really, really good and enjoyable match. You know what makes me feel old is you begin to rack up how many WrestleManias folks have been in that you've watched. I think they said that was his 19th WrestleMania. Now, he, he made his WrestleMania debut at WrestleMania 20, for goodness sake, in Madison Square Garden. If he's missed one, I can't think of it. Um, so, so what, 17, 18 WrestleManias. I mean, the guy has put in a lifetime of work. And, and Michael Cole on commentary as well, having his mania. I mean, it's just been extraordinary, the dedication people have shown. Like Randy Orton doesn't like he's wrapping up anytime soon, does he? he? He's still putting on some great matches. And Michael Cole, genuinely, the best that's happened to him is being put next to Pat McAfee. It's reinvigorated his career. He said it on the Pat McAfee show. He said, you saved my career. So it's great to see these guys. Michael Cole gets a real hard time. But I think when we look back on him, he's one of the all-time greats to do this. He's, he's brilliant. Yeah, there, there were two things that hurt Michael Cole. The first was following Jim Ross at a time when folks loved Jim Ross. And the second was that heel turn, which is such a bad idea for your lead announcer. And had he not turned heel, I think people would be looking at him in a different way. And and I think they almost gave people permission to hate Michael Cole in a way he doesn't deserve. He gets the big call right. So does Jimmy Smith. I thought that was all excellent. Um, what do you think of the two-night format? It looks like that is now the regular going forward. We had it last year in Florida. We've had it this year in Texas. It looks like next year in California, two nights as well. Does that work for you? Absolutely. Absolutely, really? because they're not... Ideally, it'd be one night and it'd be shorter, but they're never going to do that. That's never going to happen. They're always going to have a 15, 16 match card. Like that, That's just what's happening at WrestleMania now. And if you're going to do that, do it over two nights. Absolutely. Ideally, you'd have a four-hour show with just the best of the best on the show. But that that's not what they do. So if you're going to give me that much wrestling, do it over two nights. Yeah, I, I for me... That's what I want. I want one night, four hours, absolutely, balls to the wall, leather it, go through it like that. They're not going to give Jack, us that. Jack, Jack, <laughs> if, we, if we clip that up, someone clips that up, that sounds like you're describing something very different. I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you mean. But... <laughs> I think you tried to do this now. We were getting You're slipping these in more and more each week, just these innuendos out of nowhere. Someone paying Jack to try and mess with me on our podcast now. I promise you, sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. <laughs> that, that was not one of them. That was just... just look, for, for me, what, what it boils down to is the time difference, right? If we lived in America, absolutely fine. Two nights of mania, you book it all off, you sit there, you have your mates around, it's perfect. It's being in the UK that two nights screws us for. It is a nightmare. Mate, well, if two nights writes off our whole weekend, our entire weekend and Monday. That I, I did... I did Saturday, I watched up till the Seth Cody match, then I went to bed. And then Sunday, I didn't stay up for any of it because I was knackered from the night before and then I was busy Sunday. So I had to catch up on Monday. So it, it does eat into your week being a wrestling fan in the UK. Well, the Hall of Fame as well. If you want to watch Undertaker on the Friday night, that that is all of it. Now, look, there was some non-WWE action over the course of WrestleMania weekend. In fact, there was quite a lot of it. Ring of Honor, their first show under the leadership and ownership of Tony Khan, puts on Supercard of Honor. The Briscoes and FTR go to war, and Samoa Joe, let's not underestimate this, Samoa Joe has signed with All Elite Wrestling and made his debut at Ring of Honor's Supercard of Honor. Joe, 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 Joe. And then gave a great promo after that you sent to me where he's just like, I'm not here to do anything but win titles. I'm here to win the Ring of Honor world title. I'm here to win the AW world title. He even said to me, he said, yeah, basically in WWE, you saw that I'm a really nice guy. I do like to help people. That's not what I'm here to do. Because obviously you did, you saw through the stuff you did with Up, Up, Down, Down. You saw the backstage stuff. Joe is a really, really nice man. 
Samoa Joseph, as he's called outside of wrestling, <laughs> is a really, really nice man. Samoa Joe is here to kill people. And that's the Joe you want. You want the destroyer. You want the, the Samoan psychopath. This is what he is. And I am so excited to see this Joe in uh, in AW and in Ring of Honor because I think we're going to see him in both. It sounds like he's going to be in Ring of Honor as well. Well, I think we got an insight into what they're planning to do with Ring of Honor over the course of the past weekend where we did see the Young Bucks turn up and take out FTR. Then we saw FTR on Dynamite this week defend the Ring of Honor and AAA tag team belts in a war uh, against the Young Bucks FTR squaring off on Dynamite. We saw Joe turn up and then you're going to get that crossover. And why not if you're Tony Khan? You own them both. Yeah, it, it makes total sense, doesn't it? It does make total sense to do that, I think. It's exciting times. It's really exciting. Joe, yeah, Joe is a game, not a game changer. Yeah, he is a game changer. He changed Lansky. He's He's a huge star. And everyone knew that. Everyone who knew him knew that before he went to WWE. Then he went to WWE and more people know him and he's still as big a star. And now he's in AEW with more people knowing who he is. Like if you'd, if AEW had come along when Joe went to WWE and you put Joe in AEW then, he would have had some traction, but the the wider wrestling fans, me included, would have had to get to know Joe in AEW. I know what Samoa Joe is. I know who he is. I've gone back and watched some of his TNA stuff because of his NXT and WWE run. So AEW are getting to capitalise on all that by popping him straight in there, in their show. It, it's, it's again, WWE building a star to let them go somewhere else. It's very strange, but I'm excited to see what he does. On our spinning roulette wheel of things you never thought would happen, okay, there are three things that credibly have happened or will happen that we never, ever thought we'd see. Stone Cold Steve Austin has main-evented WrestleMania again. Cody Rhodes has returned as the American Nightmare to WWE. And at some point in the near future, we're going to see again Brian Danielson, CM Punk, and Samoa Joe in a Ring of Honor ring on national television. Does that not just blow your mind? And that is the match we need. That triple threat. I don't care how you get there. I don't care if there's a story or not. Just throw him in and be like, you want this? Here it is. That, we we talked to me about dream matches. That's the one for me. And go do it for the Ring of Honor world title. Lean into the history. Lean right in there. Let, let, let's go. Because there's so much history. If you don't know it, go and look at it. Because those guys in Ring of Honor, that era of Ring of Honor was unbelievable. That was when it really came hot and it was a big thing in wrestling. Lean into all that. Give me the history. Give me the story. And give those guys an hour. I don't care. Give them give seven hours. Just let them wrestle. Yeah. G- give the history, because like we were saying with Cody, there'll be folks watching AEW who didn't watch Ring of Honor, who don't know that history. Tony Khan owns the footage. He can, he can do amazing packages. And whenever AEW needs a main event, you can plug that in at Grand Slam. You can plug that in at Fight for the Fallen. You can, and people will watch. And, and you better believe those boys are, are, are wanting to get into the ring with each other at some point. They're going to want to tear it down one last time. Absolutely. They'll want to do Ring of Honor justice. You hear them talk about it. They love that place. They'll want to bring it back to the fore, make it relevant again. So, yeah, they'll be as motivated as anyone on that match. Final thing before we uh, wrap up Mania and get on to earning the push and back to developmental, my favourite comedy moment of the entire WrestleMania weekend came on social media. Dan Housen and Hook posted from Rampage where they're teasing Hook given his first interview and Dan Housen curses him. I just think, I just, it's so stupid, but Dan Housen works for me. The daft so-and-so, I'm beginning to enjoy his act even more. And you don't mind your boy Hook being put in with something daft? No, not. It's, do you know, in a weird way, I think it's it's good storyline development. If you've not got anything to do with Hook, just, just have these teasers of him giving promos. I just think uh, comedy moments, that was intentional. Can we just talk a bit more about the stunner very, very quickly? Oh, Vince. Well, I, will thought, be I thought he was actually hurt. Yeah. I was worried he was hurt. Because he mean, takes the kick and just falls to the floor. <laughs> the best thing is that not even... Stone Cold Steve Austin can keep a straight face as he's tr- as he's trying to get this slippery 70-odd-year-old man just to stay still and take the bump. And Vince is flipping and flopping up against the rope, on his ass, up again. trying to just... How many stunners has Vince McMahon taken over the years? He knows how to do this. You've taken enough. Also, did Austin Theory give The Rock a run for his money on how to sell it? <laughs> 
theory went into the stratosphere selling it. The the stunner sales are always my favorite because the stunner would not do that to you. It wouldn't do that to you. And people, it's always become a game of who can sell it the most ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Rock is, it, we're doing this clearly. Rock is the number one seller of the stunner. Um, He's the best at it. And, and Vince is by far the worst. Vince is now the worst. I didn't know that was going to happen. Now I know that Vince is the worst seller of the stunner. Ever. You just you just know it's bad when even Austin's going. I can't. I cannot keep a straight face with this. So look, we, we've had mixed reaction to, to this WrestleMania. It's been pretty polarizing. Some folks have said it's one of the best they've seen in ages. You really enjoyed it. Some like night one. Some don't like night two. Some like night two. They don't like night one. Um. Overall, thumbs up, thumbs down. Where are we looking? Oh, it's absolutely a thumbs up for me, just because I had really good fun watching. I enjoyed it. There Will there be many matches that in 10 years I'm talking about, all that classic from WrestleMania 38? Not really. But in the moment, I really enjoyed it. Okay, well, look, we want your thoughts on this as well. Um, we'll set some fancy booking topics next week. This is a big WrestleMania wrap-up show, so we'll get back to that next week. But we never, ever, ever miss earning the push and back to developmental. First or second for you, Charlie? Uh, I will go second this week, okay. please. Okay, right. I got I got a few here, so settle settle in. I'm going to stretch the definition of this. Earning the push for me this week is you, because I got to watch you play rugby for the first time since 2019 uh, last Saturday yeah. when I went down to the Mene to watch you and your Amtil boys against the Cornish Pirates. Um, there was a bit of buzz because I spoke about you on my other show that you you I was going to watch you, and a few people at the stadium at the Mene were saying, oh yeah, we heard you talking about your other boy, but I, wa- I want to give a special mention as part of earning the push, not only to you and Amtil, because you were in the final team of the season, right, for the championship? Uh, team of the week. Team, team of the, of the week, week, excuse yeah. me, team yeah. of the week, you and a couple of teammates as well. I also want to give a push to the guy who was standing behind me as I was watching, and you know you sometimes overhear people's conversation, and I'm listening, and this guy's going... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wheeler Utah's a pure champion now. And yeah, yeah, Samoa Joe debuted as well. And I'm thinking, I'm at the Mene watching rugby and someone behind me is talking about professional wrestling in really intricate detail. And he sidles up next to me, this guy, and he may be listening now. And he said, oh, I listened to you on your other show. And I said, do you? That's great. Were you just talking about professional wrestling? And we had this big in-depth conversation about professional wrestling. So I'm um, he said he'd subscribe. He's going to listen. If you were the bloke I met at the Men 8 watching Charlie play rugby, talking about wrestling, welcome along to the show. It shows our wrestling fans everywhere. Yeah, they will pop up any, anywhere. And what I love is it's not like he's a casual talking about WrestleMania. On WrestleMania weekend, he's talking about Ring of Honor Supercard. He's talking Supercard about... Yeah. Of Honor. Excellent. He's uh, talking well, about hello. Supercard of Honor. And he's going, yeah, Joe debuted. And then if the Bucks came out the crowd. And I'm thinking... Am I, am I hearing this right? Yeah. Like, of all the places I'm in at all the times, this is going on. Well, hello to you, good sir. We're, we're happy to have you on. That's very kind. Well, I'll jump in now quickly. I was going to, I've got something else, but my end the push was going to be the fact that I got to see you for the first time, what, three years in person? Like I was saying to my other half, like, we speak every week, obviously on text, but I sit down for an hour with you every week and see your face on a screen. <laughs> and actually be able to give you a hug at the weekend was lovely to be able to do. So I've got another one now. But that was that was going to be mine. So I I would like to double down on that. It was great to see you at the weekend. Ah, uh, and yeah, it was a hell of a result for your boys as well. I, mm. I felt I felt I was in a can't lose situation because if the pirates win, well, hey. If your boys did well, well, hey. Turned out it was a draw. Happy days for everyone. <laughs> um, back to developmental for me. I have had the nephews down. Love them to bits. They're great. They're watching a lot of children's TV. Back to developmental. Cocky children's TV characters, and especially. Okay. The ones in Paw Patrol. Now, oh, okay. Paw Patrol, let me say for balance, is a great show. It's a godsend for new mums and dads. It keeps the kids quiet. It's cracking. I have a real issue with Paw Patrol. Firstly, why has a town cut its public spending to the degree its emergency services are provided by animals? This seems wrong. This seems ridiculous. They shouldn't be doing it. Secondly, where do the Paw Patrol characters get these vehicles from? And thirdly, they have a 100% success rate of saving people from emergencies, which is not realistic. These people are going over waterfalls, they're going down mines, they're fixing everything for everyone. No one ever is unsuccessfully rescued, and that is setting kids up for an unrealistic expectation of life. I want a Paw Patrol episode where one day they get there and go, sorry, he's dead, there's nothing we could have done, 
You shouldn't ride your surfboard over waterfalls. This is a natural consequence. So Paw Patrol, all the good that it's doing for people is going back to developmental because it's giving kids unrealistic expectations of what the emergency services can do and what they cannot do. I'm not frequenting Paw Patrol <laughs> often. I'm not I'm not uh, watching it that often. So is it a human town and the animals are just the emergency services or are they saving other animals? No, they are, as far as I can make out, they are other animals, none of whom attempt to eat each other. So they are both animals, but they seem to have developed capitalism. So they shop and they maintain their vehicles despite having no opposable thumbs. And then one of them will do something daft, like get himself stuck on electricity wire. And these cocky little animals will go off and save them. And they're so proud of themselves. And I want just one week one of them to come back and go, no, he's dead. We imagine couldn't if do just, it. Imagine if one week was just a 45-minute episode of just CPR at the scene, and after 45 minutes, lead doctor's like, are we all happy to pronounce him dead? And that was the episode. That would be something, wouldn't it? I just I just think they need a bit of realism in Paw Patrol. It is, it is giving kids unrealistic expectations. They need a gritty episode where it, where it doesn't go right. So let me balance it again by saying, makers of Paw Patrol, you're doing a great service to all the mums and dads out there. Would it kill you to throw in a grittier episode every now and then? That's me we done. want some. We want some storyline, not just. It's like we need some storyline to it, not it, just the pops. Paw Patrol is a spot fest, and I need, <laughs> I need some actual gritty storyline. Otherwise, why am I invested? Paw Patrol is the Young Bucks. Exactly. Paw Patrol is the Young Bucks of children's TV. Now, look, what do you have? What are you uh, doing? Uh, earning the push for me now is the Night at the Museum films. <laughs> Because we, my, myself and my other half of the week were looking for something to watch on the telly. The classic, scroll, 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 can't find anything. You end up scrolling for an hour and falling asleep. And I said, oh, Night at the Museum's a fairly good watch. And she said, I've never seen it. So we are working our way through the trilogy currently. And I forgot how enjoyable they are. They're not going to win an Oscar, but they're just really good fun to watch. So I also really enjoy when you watch, you watch a film and it does, it's on a low budget. It does way better than it should. And then the sequel comes out and you can just see from the opening credits how much higher the budget is. And when you watch Night Museum and the Night Museum 2 straight after, they are polar opposites on their opening credits and how much production value there is. So that's always enjoyable to watch. So that's what's getting the push for me this this week is the Night at the Museum trilogy. I've never seen them. Don't they have Robin? Okay. Don't they have Robin Williams in? Doesn't he? Yeah, yes, like, he plays Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah, of course he does. And anything with Robin Williams in is going to be worth a watch. So Robin Williams plays Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, Steve Coogan plays Octavius, the first emperor of Rome. Uh, Owen Wilson plays Jedediah. I'm not sure who, an old cowboy. But the plot twist: Octavius and Jedediah are miniatures. So they're only this big. Uh, you have Remy Malik pay, playing uh, a made-up Egyptian pharaoh, Akman Ra. And I also really enjoy seeing when big actors now weren't big then. So Remy Malik gets like the smallest little credit, whereas now he's one of the biggest stars in the world. But 24-year-old Remy Malik gets like 30 seconds in it in the first few. Who else is in it? Yeah, Robin Williams, Ricky Gervais is in it. Ben Stiller is obviously the main part. Uh, in the second one, Amy Adams is in it, playing Amelia Earhart. Uh, you have John Bernthal playing a young Al Capone. It's very good. It, think, it's rubbish, but good. Do you think they just said, look, we're going to back a big truck of money up to your house. We're going to, you can have all the money. We need you to come and be Theodore Roosevelt for a day. And they went, yeah, that'll do. That'll do. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need it to be an Oscar winning role. You want me to ham it up? I'll I'll quite happily do that. Yeah. So I, I re- my favorite quote on that of films and Samuel L. Jackson said his dad always told him because someone asked him about why do you do so many rubbish films and he said his dad always told him never turn down work no and someone was like someone's like Sam you probably could at this point though you're he's like nope if I get an offer I'm taking it it's good money um, good money right we could we could ask him to come on here Sam Jackson um, do you reckon do you reckon he'd do it well not he's a big Paw Patrol fan so obviously yes, yeah also he might we might have to bleep him out a few times <laughs> uh my back developmental is quite simply ha- I, it's a lovely place, but how far away Cornwall is, mate. You're so far away. Oh, it was. It took me so long to get there this weekend. You're too far away. Are you sending the whole of my homeland no, no, back no, to no, developmental? No, no. I'm sending how far away it is. And it's even worse because it's such a beautiful, brilliant place. And the people are lovely and kind. And I love it all. And you're there 
oh, I just, I'm, I'm in the southwest already. I'm not that far away, and it still took me four hours. You, you ain't, get to e- you ain't you get in to the Exeter. southwest. You, you get ain't to in Exeter, the southwest, and it's another two hours. Yeah, you're, you're not in the southwest. You are. I don't know where. For, for us, you're somewhere in the Midlands. That's where you are. I don't really. Cornish people know Cornwall. Then there's the river. Then there's Devon, Somerset. After that, it gets a bit blurry till you hit Bristol. Then there's London. That's sort of our knowledge of things. on the complete other side of the country. Yeah, but you sort of, you go through. The thing is, right, and I will empathise with this, people don't realise how long Cornwall is. And when you play the Pirates, they are, you get to Cornwall and then you've got two more hours before you hit the other end of it. So it is a fair old schlep. What what annoys me now is I've been down to Penzance three times to play the Pirates. I've never done the extra however far it is to get to Land's End. I'm, like, I'm, I'm down here. I may as well get to Land's End. I may as well go and see it. It's further than you think. It's another 15 minutes on top of that. 50, I'd, I'll do the 15 minutes. I've done four hours. What I thought was, so I got dropped off at Godano Services on the way back mm. and our boys had another three and a bit hours on the bus. So they got in as WrestleMania was starting. I was like, oh, I'm glad I wasn't on that bus all the way home. I was going to say, without um, without telling tales out of school before we wrap up, fun atmosphere on the bus? Wild. I wasn't drinking because I was driving from the services, which probably was a good thing because I wouldn't have seen any of Mania. <laughs> Absolutely wild. Beer buses are some of the best fun in sport. When you get a good result on the road and then the club give you the best part of 300 quid to go and buy beer from Tesco. And one of the lads, one of the lads was very clever. I'm not going to name him. He ran in, he was he was he was adamant he'd go and help choose and bring it back. And I was like, that's clever. Club card points, didn't he? He got his club card points. <laughs> and we know you love club cards. He um, came walking on, waving his club card points about, and I was like, Oh, that's clever from you. We're fair play, that's clever. Okay, well look, it's been a hell of a WrestleMania reaction show. Uh we return to some sort of normal next week, although it is not a normal time in wrestling. Something will go off, go on, someone will jump, and we love the fact you listen to us each and every week. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're joining us from today. Uh please share the love on social media as well. Final question, Charlie. We recall this on a Thursday. Is the rock show up on Friday Night Smackdown to challenge Roman Reigns. Roman set a little bit of an expectation that he'll announce his next move is the great one in his future. Right. Well, I didn't think so, but now I'm going to be disappointed with his ending, but... I think he um, is. I think he I, is. I, I don't think he's here this Friday. I don't think so. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think so. I think The Rock shows up on Friday night and sets a path for a, a run to WrestleMania next year. But we shall see. That's a joy of wrestling. Look, he's Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter. I am Jack underscore Murley. We hope you enjoyed the show and thank you for joining us on Earning the Push. We'll see you next time.